All right. Okay, but we're recording right now. We're so anything recording. you say will be uh, held in strictest confidence. That's exactly right. Um, and we might be able to open it up for questions from you guys if we, depending on how quickly we get through this. Um, okay, a little trivia for you to start. I think I've told you the story of when I first met you or knew about you. Do you remember the story? Uh, that, I think I did. I spoke at a retreat here. Yeah. Okay, so I was in, I think, I think it was my first, I was probably in seventh grade. I was very young. I was very young, too. He was a lot, he was very young, too. He was, um, so I, that would have been something like fall of 1997, I think. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I was in, I think I was in seventh grade. And you, and you spoke on, and I know the topic, and you probably said something like this. I'm going to read it to you. Okay. I don't know if this is exactly what you said, but you, you said something like this, uh, as I remember it. God's ultimate goal is to preserve and display His infinite and awesome greatness and worth. That is His glory. God has many other goals in what He does, but none of them is more ultimate than this. God's overwhelming passion is to exalt the value of His glory um, it is clearly the uppermost reality in his affections. He loves, God loves his glory infinitely. This is the same thing as saying he loves himself infinitely. God loves himself. Um, if he, uh, God would be unrighteous, just as we would, if he valued anything more than what is supremely valuable. But he himself is supremely valuable. If he did not take infinite delight in the worth of his own glory, he would be unrighteous. You said something like that. Something like that. You probably that. know where I'm getting that oh, from. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, but yeah, that was kind of the topic. I'd never thought about, as a seventh grader, I was probably 13, that God loves God more than anything. Which means, which means that when, um, when, I think I may have said this at that retreat, that, that God loves his glory more than he loves you. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, we don't hear anything like that because uh, we, we put the, his love for us as the ultimate, that that's his driving thing. That when he sent his son, we usually, we usually hear it every, every time we hear it. And it's not wrong completely. It's not wrong because he does love us. <laughs> he does. Yeah. Um, that is a given. That's a truism. One of the most well-known passages in the Bible, John 3.16. But... That's not the ultimate reason why he sent his son. Yeah. He sent his son so the whole world would know how great he is. Because he's doing something that's really unthinkable, that he's saving people that that have really thumbed their noses up at him and said, I'm gonna go my own way. And so when, when I first came across that, um, it, it reached into my heart and struck me in such a way that that it started reorienting that really my life is about God, not about me. Yeah. And um, so that's, that's yeah. kind of the driving force. So God, God does save people. Absolutely. And we think, it, we think that, God would say, that God saving people is the main thing he does, but it's not the main thing he does. He saves people to do the main thing, which is to glorify right. himself, yep. I think is the way to word that. Well, good. Yeah. Well, as I said, uh, for those of you that are just coming in, this is Mr. Tony Souter. A uh, friend of mine uh, through the Chattanooga Youth Network. So, uh, tell us, um, tell us where you're originally from. Where were you born? When were you born? Uh, I was born a long time ago, um, in 1960. 
the uh, so it makes it easy to know what how old I am. So how old would I be right now? I said, you don't have to answer out loud, but you you, you <laughs> could figure it out because I was Math born majors. in 1960, August of 1960, in Valdosta, Georgia. So when you come into Valdosta, Georgia, when you're going south, it says the birthplace of Tony Souter over to the side. No, it doesn't say that. <laughs> um, but born it should. In, born in Valdosta, Georgia. Um, my dad was in the military <laughs> at that time, and I had two older brothers. I'm kind of cutting to. That's okay. Um, I was born in Valdosta, Georgia. I have two older brothers that were born there as well. I have a younger sister who's five years younger than me um, who was born in Alma, Georgia, which I'm not even really sure where that is. And I, really, I don't think it's a real place. I don't even, I'm not sure she was born. <laughs> the, but um, uh, So we ended up moving to Virginia Beach, Virginia when I was about four and uh, lived there for about 11 years. And, and we'll talk more about some other things. Yeah, but. good. So, uh, growing up, um, what did you think? What did? How did you see your life playing out? You had, I'm sure, things uh, you wanted to do. Um, I, in some ways, I was much more of a, in the present. Um, whatever's happening then, um, I couldn't think. I never thought I would reach 20 years old. Um, part of that is because I grew up in a family that was not Christian at all, and. Um, there was a lot of stupidity that was happening around me. Part of it was that I was doing it. And, and so I never thought I would reach 20. Um, but in God's grace, uh, we, the, 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 I did reach 20. I did reach 20. Um, so I'm gonna in case try you couldn't do the math, he's at least 20. That's right. I'm at least 20. Um, I'll stick to the question here. Um, you know, I thought I would just do the normal, like... When I was a young boy, I was thinking, oh, I'll be a fireman or a police officer or something like that. That's what I was thinking. I yeah. had no idea. Um, but when even even going into high school, I was totally unsure what I would do. Nobody in my family had gone to college. My oldest brother was a more of an entrepreneur. He'd start businesses and he could sell ice to Eskimos and you know he, he he could do any of that without going to school. So he didn't go to school. My middle brother went to in the army. And so I'm getting ready to graduate from high school, and I'm going to cut to the chase that in between my junior and senior year of high school, um, I was in, we actually moved back to eastern North Carolina, and in eastern North Carolina, that's right on the coast, um, so if you're looking at North Carolina, there's this outer, the Outer Banks, Cape Hatteras area out there, so the, the body of water that's in between, that's, you got the ocean, and then you got the Outer Banks, and that, anybody know what that body of water in between you know, you got the Outer Banks, that, that body of water there, there. You know what that is? It's a test. It's only a test. You will not have no clue. Why would you know? I didn't know until I moved there. It's the Pamlico Sound. That's the Pamlico Sound. Well, I lived in a county called Pamlico County, and the teacher that um, taught a class, because we lived right there, there was a they actually had a class where you could work on, as a commercial fisherman. They had a boat that they would teach you how to work on as a commercial fisherman. So I took that class. That teacher became a Christian in between my, in my junior year. And as a result of that, I, I liked him a lot. I thought he was amazing. And then so I worked with him that summer. And that whole summer, he would just share the gospel with me, mm -hmm. tell me about the truths of the Bible. And I didn't ever knew any of that stuff. He would invite me to church. I would go to church not to hear the gospel, not to hear truth, 
but I wanted to spend time with him. And as a result, I did hear the gospel. And in between my junior year and senior year in high school is when I came to Christ. And so that's when I realized, okay, I want to do something with my life. Um, so I couldn't answer that question without yeah. getting there because because I was just kind of coasting along. I uh, wasn't planning to go to college, but then I, I said, hey, I want to do something for the Lord. Um, I have no idea what that's going to be. But they said, well, if you're going to do that, you got to go to college. And so... Um, I'm one of the few people these days that got into college without taking the SAT. It was nice. <laughs> no SAT. I didn't take nice. pre-SAT. I didn't take any of that because I wasn't going. And so the, I, they, they had the few slots that could let somebody like me in. They let me in. I went to Mount Olive College, and, um, and that, that was the beginning of my college career. Yeah. Now, after you, fa- after you came to faith in Christ, did others in your family also trust Christ? Yes. Uh, not in, nobody right away. Um, uh, ultimately, right where we are now, uh, my parents, um, unless they did, my dad has passed away 15 years ago. Um, I shared the gospel with him in, in his hospital room. But God gave me the grace to be able to be with him the last two weeks of his life. And and we would do fun things like I mean we had always had fun together even though he would he he did not trust Christ most of his life, um, but I remember sh- taking him through my Bible. So he's he's on a, a ventilator in the hospital, has cancer. I'm taking him through my Bible. Say, hey Dad, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to take you through my Bible, and any place that I've got highlighted, we're going to talk about that highlight. And so we would talk about those mm-hmm. highlights. Um, and in the process, I'm just sharing the gospel with him, telling him my own story, telling him what the Bible's saying, and, and invited him to accept Christ a number of times during that time. I don't know if he did, um, partly because he was having very difficult abilities to be able to communicate. Uh, my mom um, was also at the other end of the spectrum for me um, in that she, uh, she would, um, most of her life was wrapped up in believing in um, I don't know if you know about anything about ESP, uh, para, yeah. uh, parapsychology. Uh, she would give uh, readings for people, um, not like palm reading, but like uh, she would um, she would say she was a psychic. Um, so she would people would come mm-hmm. to her. She would tell tell them things about them. Um, so we're at the opposite end of the spectrum. So my mom's yeah. over here. I'm over here, um, and. For most of my adult life, she had basically abandoned us. She kind of, they divorced and she went her own way. Mm. And it was only in the latter parts of uh, her life that uh, we reconnected. And I remember sharing with the gospel with her at the end. And, um, but she communicated. And I said, look, I, I, I remember sharing with her and saying, Mama, I know that you're, you're at the end. You're at the end. And I do know this, that I want your last breath here to be your first breath with him. Hmm. And the only way that that can happen is that you trust in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation. Not anything you've done or what you think that how, uh, there's any other way. Because she would think that anybody can get in. Hmm. Um, and, I, and I asked her, do you want to trust Christ alone for your salvation? Uh, to, so, the, so that, and I was trying to make it very clear because at the end, you can't make it complicated. Um, because she's getting ready to step into eternity. I said, yeah. I want your last breath here to be your first breath there with him. And do you want that? And will you trust in Jesus alone? And she said, yes. Yeah. Um, so my hope is that the, all that was real. 
and that uh, when I get to heaven, that somehow my dad would be there too. Somehow yeah. he, um, but I don't know. I don't know either one of those for sure. But that's that's what happened at the end of my mom's life. Yeah. I forget what the question was. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was good about your family, whether or not they came uh, trusted Christ. So, oh, so my good my oldest brother's a believer now, <clears throat> and my youngest my sister's a believer now. Uh, my middle brother's not. Okay. Um, so Mount Olive College, yep. was it there that you decided to pursue ministry as a career? Um, it was there. I, I knew that I went to college because I knew I wanted to do something for the Lord. Um, wasn't sure what that was going to be. Uh, God gave me avenues in youth ministry right from the very beginning in camping ministry and so I did several number of camps. Um, and I started working in churches, um, doing youth ministry. Um, and it was there that it became more and more clear that yes, that I was be do, doing vocational ministry, most likely in the youth ministry realm, um, and so yeah. Um, tell us about how you met your wife, where that happened, when that happened. Well, I met her at Mount Olive College. Okay. My second year was her first year. Mount Olive then was a two-year school; it's a four-year university now. Um, and so my second year, there was a, well, actually my first year, they, they were desperate. They had a, a, there was a Christian singing group on campus, and they were desperate. They needed some guys that were Christian. They would teach them how to sing, because I could not sing. <laughs> I was bad. It still is bad. I've kind of regressed. Um, they, they gave us a voice teacher, and they would. So you need, you need more teaching again. I now. do. I need, I need re-up. Yeah. <laughs> I need re-up on that. Um, but it was interesting, because they gave us voice lessons, and I was I sang in this Christian singing group, and then my my future spouse came in that singing group the next year, and so we became good friends. She was dating somebody else that year, um, and I worked my angles on how to thwart that, and uh, I won. Actually, she's just really smart and mixed him, um, and then we started. We dated for four and a half years. Um, primarily because her dad said you're not going to get married until you graduate, mm-hmm. and um, and so I met her my first year in college, and then because of some academic stuff, she was she was valedictorian of her high school classes. So she's really smart, smart, and and very diligent. But they they messed up how the courses that she was supposed to take, so she had to actually go an extra year, which delayed mm-hmm. and gave us another year of dating, four and a half years. So you were married when? 1985, April, no, excuse me, you can quote me on that. That's not April. That's, that's not, that's where we're, the month we're in now. October 5th, 1985. 1985. Okay. Yep. Very good. Very in good. Goldsboro, North Carolina. And her name again? Is Rhonda. 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 And you have how many children? I have twin daughters. They are 25 years old. They were born in October of 93. And um, they are actually the... When my wife was 11 years old, she had a ruptured appendix, and which made it, it scarred all the female organs, made it so she couldn't have kids naturally. We didn't know that. Um, eight years into marriage, we were, okay, we went to some doctors and trying to figure out what's going on. The doctor figured out, okay, because of that ruptured appendix, you're not going to be able to have kids naturally. They tried to do some reconstructive <coughs> surgery, try to fix some things. They could not. Um, so they did, um, I don't know if you know what in vitro is. Yep. Um, so... Um, my grandmother, when she passed away, left me some stock that was basically the amount of money that it would take to do in vitro once. And the, the odds back then were that there were there was like 17% chance that you were going to get have children through in vitro. 
Um, so it's very unlikely. Matter of fact, we went to see the doctors and said, the first thing we need to get, get, get you to is the disappointment of not getting kids. Um, and so he said, hey, we're, we're fine with that. This, we're going to do this once. God's given us the finances to do it one time. If he wants us to have kids, we'll have them. And in his mercy, he gave us twins, and they, they're awesome, Abby and Bethany. And what do they do now? Uh, one's a first-grade teacher at Signal Mountain Christian School up on Signal Mountain, and the other one is, works at a wedding florist downtown. Good. Uh, after college, did you, uh, well, what, what, did you, what did you major in? I majored in, okay, so we didn't get into this. Okay, so I went to Mount Olive. It was a two-year school, so you had to go somewhere else next. Went to another school that was a, a, mess, a mistake. You got, you've made some. Yeah. I made that. That was a mistake. <laughs> then I finally went to Columbia. Uh, back then, it, now it's Columbia International University. So Columbia, South Carolina. <laughs> went there, and, and I was there. Um, and so because I had so many electives that transferred in, I had this collect-all um, degree. I had a degree in Bible. Everybody got a degree in Bible from there. Yep. And I had a general ministries degree coming out of there, mainly in Christian education. Good. And then I got my master's in Christian education. Good. And did you go to seminary? I did. I went to seminary there as well. There's a uh, Columbia Biblical Seminary is connected there as well. And I got my master's in Christian education. Very good. Now, you said you started out pretty early on in youth ministry. Did you serve uh, as a youth pastor or as a pastor or elder of any kind? Yeah, I was a youth pastor in Atlanta um, before we came to Chattanooga. So we've been in Chattanooga for 25 years, and I was there for three and a half. Um, okay. So I graduated in 1990 and then came, went to Atlanta, was a youth pastor there, and then uh, was been here for 25 years. So it was about 93, 94 when you, when you moved to April, hey, 25 years this month. Not, so it was in April that time? Yes. Okay. Yes. 25 years not ago October. this month. Okay. Yeah, not October. Right. Sorry, okay. I misspeak. It's, my, it's a new tongue. I'm breaking it in. <laughs> so, so, so 25 years ago this month, we moved to Chattanooga. That's good. Actually, the 16th. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Now, was um, I want to talk about the youth network. Okay. Because I think... I've heard uh, the youth network is about that old. Is that right? Yeah. 25 years? So, it is. So I, you started the youth network pretty early on once you got here? Or you... Well, I was actually hired to start that. Okay. So when hired I by? The Chattanooga Resource Foundation. Okay. They don't exist anymore. So okay. Before your time. These are not the droids you're looking for. Sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. Chattanooga, Chattanooga Youth Network. Um, how did that get started? How did you, if you were tasked... To do it, oh, yes. how did you go about doing it? I was tasked, and the way that we went about it is we started going around and meeting with youth pastors. Um, part, of, part of that is just, okay, what's happening in youth ministry in the, the Chattanooga region? Um, so I would go meet with the youth pastor here. Uh, I think that, um, I'm trying to think of the history here. Uh, Ken Ivins was the youth pastor here then. Yep. Um, and said. So, I'd come over, I'd meet with Ken, talk to him, find out what's going on in his ministry, what's the, what are the challenges, what are the things that God's doing neat. And, so, um, and then I would talk about connecting them with other, other youth pastors. And so we would have gatherings of youth pastors around the region. And so like Ken was a part of that. One of those we'd meet at Cracker Barrel on Wednesday mornings um, and, did, and done that for years. And then I would go to other youth pastors. And so for the first year, I was just meeting with youth pastors and creating these what we call area networks around the region yeah. so that um, youth pastors 
would realize that they're, they're in this, they're not on their own, that they're part of what God's doing in the entire city, the entire region. Um, one of the, 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 some of the research that's come out now, we knew this back then. We knew that, that you're going to do better at whatever job you have when you have other people that understand the challenges that you face and that can help you to get oriented when you come up, up against something really hard. And so that's really what's part of what's happening in those area networks. But the research shows now that a, young, a youth leader, that the average youth leader lasts 3.2 years in their jobs before they would shift to somewhere else. If they're part of like an area network, a youth ministry network, then that, that jumps from 3.2 years. Okay, what's your guess? Ah, this is, this is a question and answer of the year. This, each row has to guess. Okay, I got second row. 6.4 years. That's a good guess. Next row. Seven years. Seven years. Next row. We're going to come back to the front row, so don't think you're missing. Uh, <laughs> I just, like I forgot you. Next row back there. Anybody? What do you think, Aiden? Pick a number. Any number. Seven. Seven. Good number. Last row. Anybody? Joel? You speaking into my deaf ear, or you just saw back there? Joel says 10. 10. Okay, front row, what do you got? Eight. Eight. 9.1 years. 9.1 years. Isn't that amazing, though? That so it almost triples. It, it, it triples. You've got this resiliency factor that happens when you're part of a group of people that are helping you get, stay oriented, stay in the Word, stay connected, praying for you. It changes everything. Now, I'm going to say that's what's happening in youth ministry, but I'm going to say no matter where you are in life, that is a key component that you need to ask yourself. Who do I have in my life that can help me stay oriented and help me to, to that's going to be praying for me and understand where I'm at and support me so that I can stay at it? Because you're going to be faced, no matter where, where you are in life, you're going to be faced with challenges and you need people around you. You need, I'm going to use this word just because I use it all the time, network of people that love and support you that are going to help you to flourish. So that's a sideline. That was free. You don't have to pay for that. Now, here's a, here's a quiz for you. How long have I been at Grace? Oh, not as a not as oh, a yeah. human. Since seventh grade. Yeah, not as a human, but like as a as a, <laughs> not as a human. Not as a but as just an overall person. That's right. As a less than. Okay. As a as a um, okay staff member, let's say. This is a test. This is only a test. Sometimes. <laughs> only me. I'm gonna say that it is. Yeah, some of you can guess too. Yeah, you can't guess until I guess. But let him guess first. Throw, that's gonna throw my guess off. I'm gonna go with. Um, I'm gonna say 9.1 years. Okay, <laughs> that's a good guess. I'm gonna go with the. He, he went 9.1 years. He went the the standard. There's actually two. There's there's technically two right-ish answers to this. Okay. So I'm, I'm I'll say nine years. Okay. Okay. They're doing math. I, I know, Matt. They're, they're going math. all the way back they to got, like, well, when I was in. calculators out. Ah, there was somebody else in between. Who's after Sean Uh Brandon. That's right. Yeah, Brandon Baker. Baker. He was here for two years. Yeah, I don't remember Brandon. I've got other questions I want to get to. Do you guys have a guess? I said nine. Six? Wow. So it's it's. It's actually, um, it's coming up on eight years full-time. I was close. Oh, 
thank you very but much. But it's yes. but it's actually um, I was basically part time for three years before that. Ah. So if you had said eleven, as long as you're in between eight and eleven, that's that's you're right. In, you're in the game. You're in the game. That's true. Okay. I did. So, um, I I have I I didn't get connected with the youth network really though until probably four or five years ago, um, and that's probably my own fault. I I I won't say I wasn't invited or approached about it, but Zach I'd known Zach when he was at Middle Valley. I actually knew Zach Wyatt through my my brother knew him. Yeah. Uh, and so that's how I got to know Zach. And then Zach kind of twisted my arm, I guess you'd say. He said, you really need to be a part of this. And that's so I came. That works for us now. Yes. So Zach is also um, part of the youth network now. And so I I actually came kind of reluctantly. And I think it was at Cracker Barrel. I think it was like on a Tuesday morning or yeah. something. And uh, just really connected with the guys right away and have, have built some really good friendships with fellow youth pastors through that. So I've. Benefited okay, so, from it. So this, some of this is personality, but why were you reluctant? I'm, I'm reverse. I'm that interviewer yeah. now. Thank you. you can be the Tell interviewer. Tell us about this. Yeah. Um, I think it's well. Part of my um, personality is I I do most. Um, I shouldn't say most of the time. There are certain things where I prefer to work alone. I think I work better alone in some in some right. things. Sure. Now I I. I I recognize that with many things I'm not better alone, and so I need to surround myself with uh, with people. But um, yeah, I think that was that was the that was the hesitation at least. It was probably arrogance, and I don't need that. I wasn't going and, there. I wasn't going to get. Oh, out I, I freely admit that. <laughs> I'm better than everybody in my mind. Um, so it's a it's a so the youth network primarily you you view it I guess as a ministry to youth pastors right. more than directly to students but obviously it, it benefits students right. because it benefits the youth ministers right yeah our, our goal is that how can we come alongside uh, of a youth pastor and help and connect them coach them and care for them in a way that they can do better ministry yeah uh, so you are the target but we're getting to the target differently and parents are the target yeah but we're getting to the target differently um, we're getting at it as this as this leverage person in the ministry in the in the church and helping that person do their job better hopefully and so that they can better serve youth families and the church. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's I think it's done that. Now the other thing that you're pretty heavily involved in is something called the Pray for Me campaign. Yep. Um, could you tell us about how that got started and what that is all about? Yeah, the, the Pray for Me campaign is. Um, it got started probably officially it started five years ago, um, but probably six and a half years ago we started asking the questions um, as a as a ministry. How do we? Is there anything we're missing? Can we come alongside of the church better? Uh, can we serve uh, youth pastors more effectively? And one of the things that came up is that um, there is research out there that's showing that now that there are young people that are drifting from their faith after they graduate, and, and in some cases, pretty high percentages. And so one of the things that we found, though, this, is, this gets back into what I was saying about that network, is that young people that stay connected to the church and flourish in their faith tend to be marked by having multiple adult believers investing in their lives. And so, so we started asking, if that's true, it's, which it is, um, 
how do we get more adults connect with more teenagers more naturally? Um, because anything that's not natural, people back away from that. I back away from awkward all the time. Um, and so, so we started asking that question and digging into it for a number of months. And what ended up rising to the top was a thing called the Pray For Me campaign. And basically the way it works is that it's totally designed to give every young person that comes to the church a whole network of adults that love and support them beginning with prayer. So students actually invite three adults from three different generations so maybe a 25-year-old, a 45-year-old, and a 65-year-old to be what we call your prayer champions for a year. Each year you would get new ones. And so each from, let's just say from 6th grade to 12th grade, you could have 21 different adults. Outside of what's happening in youth ministry and your family, you could have 21 different adults that have prayed for you in a significant way and connected with you to help you flourish in your faith. Um, and to me, that's just totally a win all the way around. Because, again, I know that I... To whatever degree I've succeeded in life, I didn't get here on my own. Mm-hmm. And I need people in my life. And we know that other youth leaders need mm-hmm. other people in their lives to go from 3.1 years to 9.2 no, years. to 9.1 years. Um, you guys need people in your life. And the reality is that when you graduate from high school, you, or you, especially when you graduate from college, which just seems so far for some of you in this room, but when you graduate from college, you realize that I need people that can help me get my job, get a job. But if you haven't figured out how to build this network of people that love and support you, then you don't have anything to draw from. You're, you've got these few people. You've got your parents, hopefully, that are on your team, and your youth pastor and a few other people. But what we're, I'm committed to is that how do we give every young person this, this a wide swath of people in the church that have prayed for them so all of a sudden their hearts are big towards you and they want to see you succeed and so that's that's part of what the pray for me campaign does it gets it gives you a team a, your section your cheerleading section in the in the stands is growing every year through the pray for me campaign that's what we're about but then there's all the supernatural pieces that got of them asking god to work in your life in powerful ways um so it, we started it uh, five years ago with eight test churches in five, with, with, from four different denominations, uh, ranging from 50 members to 1,500 members, because uh, we were trying to see, does this work in any setting? Well, now it's in almost 500 churches in 39 states and five foreign countries. Hmm. Um, but here's the cool part. Now, this is, this is absolutely phenomenal. Now, you're, you're thinking, is he, he's serious. This is phenomenal that in those 500 churches, there's over... 36,000 intergenerational relationships that have been created through the Pray For Me campaign. That's the, that's, the, that's the most bottom number. Now, realistically, there's probably about 120,000, but nobody believes that when I say that. <laughs> I mean, 36,000 is already a lot. But here's, here's how I know. So, so those churches that you get, I got one, two, three adults that are my prayer champions for this year. We're only counting that first year. So if a church is done at five years, we're not counting the, the intergenerational relationships after that. And we're not counting the fact that a student has those three relationships. But if there's a 25-year-old and a 45-year-old and a 65-year-old, those are intergenerational relationships too. We're not even counting those relationships. Yeah. So, so it is creating this web of relationships that is life-changing and in the church in a pretty profound way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I could talk about that for days. Yeah. So I'm not going to. Talk. You said that's given you opportunities to minister or to see that work even around the world. You mentioned yes. foreign countries, so yeah. So, how, yeah. What other? I just just generally what what kind of platform has the Lord given you yeah, globally? 
Well, there's the, the, the what one of the driving pieces of it is that I wrote a prayer guide that helps the adults pray scripture for the young person in seven central categories. And so, obviously, that's in English. Um, but then we have all, there's three of them. There's one that's adults praying for middle school and up. There's one that's praying for children fifth grade and below. And there's the one for students praying for themselves and their peers. And so, all those have been translated into Spanish. And that's, that opened up a whole massive part of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, then uh, a church in Canada contacted us, and that now in their church they've got an English-speaking congregation, a Chinese-speaking congregation, and a Cantonese-speaking congregation. And they said, we love this. Do you have anything in Chinese? And internally I start laughing because, no, we don't have anything in Chinese. I mean, we barely have I – mean, we just started this thing. And so what really was amazing is that they actually put together a team of eight people in their church, and they translated the youth edition, which is the ones praying from middle school and up, into both simplified and traditional Chinese. Mm-hmm. So that's opened up a whole nother, obviously, a, a, a large part of the world. Yeah. Um, so so it's, it's in um, uh, Panama, Costa Rica, um, Scotland, um, Canada, and, um, and Israel. Actually, Israel, they launched it this summer or just recently. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Where do you attend church now? I go to First Pres downtown. Who's the pastor there? Tim Tinsley until the 31st of May. Okay. And then we'll be looking for a pastor. Now, I think, I'm going to get off script just a little bit. I think, does he have a, uh, he has a daughter who's about to get married, I think. I think I think you may be right. And he, uh, the the fellow that she's marrying, is a is a graduate of our academy here. Uh, let's pray. Yeah, we really should. So, so it's that's be cool. One of those, I didn't know that. Yeah, I I just learned that. Um, Her name's Micah. That's right. Yeah. And she's marrying a fellow named Jared. Okay. Yeah. Very good. So it'd be one of those Baptisterian, Baptisterian. Re- relationships. Baptisterian relationships. Now, uh, some of us have gone to an event called Super Awesome Weekend, yeah. which is part of the Goodbye. something for the network that the network, I guess, has overseen. What was your What was your role in that? Now we know we we know it kind of took a year off, yeah, and hopefully we'll make was, a comeback. My role was minimal because so what's happened is when we started the Pray for Me campaign five years ago, um, I was not able to do the normal youth network stuff that I've been doing for 18, 20 years up to that point, and. <clears throat> <clears throat> so three years ago, we hired a guy named Zach Wyatt um, to head up that part. And when he came on, he had been doing something, the, the Super Awesome Weekend, mm-hmm. kind of over to the side with different churches. And so then it came under the umbrella of the Youth Network. And so so he really did all that. If all the greatness that, that, that it came from God working in Zach to make that happen. Yeah. Is he going to make a comeback? You know, it may. He okay. was. He was. He was. Uh, we took a year off, and we're trying to um, sort through some things and trying to. Um, but I think that he he brought it up just the other day. So yeah, yeah I think we need to re up this thing. So good. Um, I'd love to be able to ask you about your journey with your wife. Um, I I'm assuming that some of that will come out in the main in the sermon to follow. It will. So we'll kind of bypass so we, that we for now. Pause on that. We will have to. Um, but just a couple other things, just as we kind of wrap up our time here. Um, what do you do for fun? What are your hobbies? Oh, well, I am. I'm very boring, and part of that's part of that is is directly related to what you're going to hear in there. 
um, because of my, my life with my, my wife has, has demanded more of my, um, my life. Uh, and so fun things were kind of exiled. So fun things are simple things in my life. I read. Yep. Um, they were very containable things. I couldn't. The adventurous Tony uh, had to go on a, a hiatus. <laughs> we he he didn't get to do the things he uh, has done in the past. But um, uh, simple things, very simple things. Yeah. Lily's comment just now was that reading I, is very adventurous. So. So. Okay, well, you're probably speaking into my deaf ear, so you can yeah, you can say stuff, and I want to hear you. That's right. Like, what does she? So, say? what what do you like to read? Who? What are you reading? Uh, what are you reading now? Okay, I like to read all kinds of stuff. I, um, I don't really read novels except for I listen to novels. Like, I just listened to a, a John Grisham novel. I was traveling, and uh, listened to it, The Whistler, which is a long book. And um, and now I've got this is totally a side thing. This is uh, such a bummer. At the end, it was on CDs. It was in my car. And I was listening to it. And at the very last CD, you're getting the culmination. It starts skipping. Now I got to go check the book out and read the last. One. I can actually read it now. I got to read the epilogue. So, anyways, I saw, so that's how I do novels. Um, um, I like my favorite favorite author is John Piper. Um, that's who he was reading from uh, earlier. Um, partly because he has given me kind of the 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 clarity and the stakes in the ground that have kind of given me resolve to know when, when all, I'm going to say this, when all hell's breaking loose and you're, it's just like, it's, you don't know how you're going to survive and, and you've got different ends of the spectrum telling you different things. And he was able to center me that this is really about God. Yeah. And, and, and he's in this with us, no matter how hard it gets. So, um, and then I used to read uh, business-type books. Like just recently, this is kind of a business-ish book. This is A Curious Mind by Brian Grazier. Um, he's, this is how you'll know. This is how you'll know. He is um, partners with uh, Ron Howard, who they, they yep. created the Imagine Group. They, pub, they not publish. They produce movies. Um, so like uh, lots of Ron Howard movies, he's the producer on it. Yeah. got Ron Howard, director. He's the producer. Um, but that, that was very good about asking great questions. And he, coming out of that um, was creating curiosity conversations. So finding people that you want to, to ask, a ser- have, a, have a lunch with or a breakfast with or a meeting with. And I'm, cur- this is, I'm, I'm commending this to you now. This is, this, I'm giving this to you to say, don't start, don't wait. Make, find people in, in Grace Baptist Church. There's gold in them, their hills. Yeah. There's gold and there's, the, there's people in this church that if you sat down with them for an hour and had a series of questions, you would not imagine how awesome God has shown up in their lives. I mean, it, and, and to give you hope that to get clarity, to be able to, um, so curiosity conversations. That was, that was, that was a good book yeah. recently. Um, and I'm reading a, a great book right now. Another great book. This is this is probably one going to be one of my new favorites by a guy named. It's got an interesting last name, Mark Vrogop. Vrogop. Yeah. V r o e g o p. Yeah. Dark clouds and deep mercies. 
powerful book. There's quotable things on every page. Quotable things. I've heard him interviewed about that book, oh. uh, about Lament. Oh yeah. 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 So I need to I need to pick and that one up. Lament is a uh, a type of prayer. Yeah. So. Um well you've got an opportunity to to preach next. Uh do you do you do much teaching and preaching now? Is um, that a regular routine for you? Uh, it's getting it's Or you're going to be rusty in there. That's uh, what we're no, trying to figure I'm, out. It's, I'm polished, baby. <laughs> yeah, you just pray. Yeah, guys, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's always fun. Yeah. Um, but it's also hard too cuz the, the things I'm talking about this morning um, are not simple things and right. not easy things, um, but they're very, very, very important. Yeah, good. Well, there were a few other things we wanted to get to, but we need to get you down so that others can benefit from this also. So okay. appreciate your time yeah. today, and uh, appreciate you guys being an audience for us uh, this morning. So uh, We've got a better view. That's right. So if you'll thank Mr. Souter for being here with us today.